Welcome to the sixth episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and today we're going to be doing a full breakdown of UFC 254. So to start, we're obviously going to start at the main card with Khabib versus Gaethje. Now, if you didn't watch this fight for some obscure reason, um, Khabib was very dominant, as he usually is, but he was dominant in a different fashion in this fight. So, Khabib was, in the first round, there were two takedown attempts by Khabib, so we didn't see as much grappling as we usually see in a Khabib fight. He was more willing to exchange with Justin Gaethje, and Justin Gaethje was not really doing his usual style of striking with pressure, pressure, pressure coming forward. He circled a lot more, and this was probably mainly to ensure that he stayed off the fence against Khabib, which he was able to do, which was one of the reasons that Khabib did not go for as many takedowns as he usually does. So the majority of the first round was on the feet, and Justin landed a couple of good shots, and he landed a sev- he landed several very good leg kicks, and uh, but Khabib also outlanded Gaethje in that first round in terms of significant strikes, I believe, and most people scored that first round for Khabib, but two of the judges scored that first round for Gaethje, one scored it for Khabib. And um, at the end of that round, Khabib got a takedown and was deep in an arm bar. But um, the time ran out, so we move on to the second round. And in the second round, it was a lot of the same as the first round. But Khabib was able to get a takedown earlier in that round. And when he got that takedown, he didn't really, he wasn't really doing much ground and pound. Is what he was doing was more position and submission type grappling rather than his usual ground and pound that we usually see so um eventually Khabib gets a triangle choke on Gaethje and he submits Justin Gaethje and overall it was pretty impressive performance by Khabib a lot of people were saying this was Khabib's best fight of his career I'm gonna have to disagree with that because I saw several things that I liked from Gaethje in terms of leg kicks and keeping his back off the fence and there was just a feeling in this fight that be or that Gaethje had a little bit, he had a little bit more control in there. Well, he didn't have much, but he had a little bit more than a lot of the previous guys that uh, Khabib has fought. So overall, Gaethje did not do a bad job and did not look bad against Khabib. I would have liked to see him pressure more, you know, come forward at Khabib, especially when he was starting to get back down. I would have liked to see him try and get Khabib up against the fence using that pressure and we didn't see much of that so I think that goes into a part of the reason why Khabib did was was able to outstrike Gaethje even though we all know that Gaethje is a significant striker Gaethje's game plan was more lateral to defend against the wrestling which allowed Khabib to outstrike him Um, I would have liked to see him stick to his normal game plan in terms of pressure throwing a lot and um, while still maintaining the leg kicks and while maintaining keeping his back off the fence. So, um, and the leg kicks that he was hitting on Habib did have impact on him. So, there were several times where 
Gaethje landed a leg kick, and you can see Khabib's leg bent inwards or outwards, depending on what um, what style of kick it was, obviously. So, and specific, more specifically, the last one, on the very last leg kick Gaethje lands, you see Khabib really, that really kind of, I don't know how to describe this, really, it really had an effect on Khabib, and then Khabib immediately shot for the takedown. So he was doing good kicking the leg, and I did like what I saw from Gaethje, but with that being said, uh, Khabib obviously still dominated, right, and Jason Herzog, this was a terrible stoppage from Herzog, right, Gaethje taps, so he taps, and um, despite the tap, Herzog didn't stop it, Gaethje taps again, and uh, Gaethje taps again, and um, still, no, the fight, Herzog did not end the fight, and then eventually, Gaethje goes to sleep, and then Herzog comes in, so, Gaethje really tapped twice, Herzog didn't stop the fight after either tap, and then Gaethje goes to sleep, and then he stops the fight, so, Herzog, historically, not a bad ref, but, he, um, he, did not look good in in that. So, after this fight, Khabib retires, obviously. Everyone has seen that. And I was very surprised by this. I think we all envisioned a Khabib retirement coming soon. But I think we all thought it was going to be after his next fight. Because he spoke openly about wanting to get to 30-0. But he, so retiring at 29-0 was a surprise to me. But then when he unveiled that his mom didn't want him to fight anymore, I wasn't really surprised considering those circumstances. So at first it was a little bit of a shock, but when he explained it, it did make more sense. And, um, you know, it's a shame that he's retiring early because I believe there's still several fun fights left for him out there. Several. So, but with that being said, um, if he felt it was time to retire... I'm not going to hold him, um, I'm not going to, you know, criticize him for retiring. I think we all, we're all fans, so we want to see Khabib fight more, but if he felt it was time to be done, no one is going to judge him from that, and I feel like when Khabib retires, it's a little different than when other guys retire, because Khabib is historic for being a man of his word, a man of honor, so when Khabib does it, you know, I think it's very similar to when, um, well, I'm not going to say that. But so Khabib retires, and you, you just get this sense that it's not like the Cejudo retirement. The Cejudo retirement, you know, everyone was a little skeptical. Is he really going to retire? But, you know, when Khabib does it, you know, there's really no question about it. He's retired for sure. So now that moves us to the state of the lightweight division without Khabib. And make no mistake, without Khabib in this lightweight division, this lightweight division is still stacked. You still have Gaethje, Poirier, Ferguson, McGregor, Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker, Charles Oliveira, right? So we're going to be in a situation where we have to figure out who is fighting for the belt. Now, with that being said, we were looking at a Conor Poirier match in January. That has not been signed yet, so... With that being said, they may change that, and I imagine that Conor's going to want to fight for the belt with 
I imagine that he's going to want to fight for the belt, considering the fact that it's Connor and he always wants that belt. I mean, there's nothing really. Connor's going to want that belt. We all know that. So that leaves us the question. I think there's five names in play for who is going to be fighting for the belt now, with that being Gaethje, Poirier, Ferguson, McGregor, and Michael Chandler. Now, I'm interested to see where the UFC goes with this. The UFC could book about right now for the title with any pairing of those guys, and there's not going to be much pushback aside from Michael Chandler. But Michael Chandler is still in play here, right? So if you schedule any of Gaethje, Poirier, Ferguson, McGregor, you're going to see a lot, you know, you're not going to see a lot of complaints from the fans because you can make a case for all of those guys fighting for the title right now. And especially when two of them have the opportunity, it's um, not not much in, in question here. So Gaethje obviously just fought yesterday. So it's, we'll be interested to see when he can return again. He didn't seem too hurt in that fight. Um, from in terms of a health standpoint, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen anything about him being injured. But um, with that being said, they were looking to book Ferguson and Michael Chandler. I don't know if they're still looking to book that fight. I believe that was the fight that they wanted to book, assuming Chandler didn't fight yesterday, which he didn't. So, now if we get Ferguson and Chandler matched up, the winner of that would likely fight for the title. You know, right now there's a hundred different ways that this could go between those five guys, depending on who we get matched up. So, as of right now, there's not much that, there's, there's not a clear top two in most people's eyes, because you'll see people say that Gaethje deserves a shot at the title, because he did just beat Tony and he was the interim champ. And then you have other people saying, well, you've got Dustin. Dustin did was one of the two people prior to Khabib to beat Gaethje. So Poirier has a head-to-head over Gaethje. And then you have Tony, who has won 12 of his last 13. And then you have Conor McGregor, who Conor McGregor is always going to be in the mix just in terms of his pay-per-view draw ability alone. Now, whether you like that or not, that's just how the sport works, okay? And then, with that being said, you still have Michael Chandler in here because if Michael Chandler can get a big bout against Ferguson, Poirier, any of these guys, if you can get Michael Chandler booked with one of them and he comes out the victor, he's going to have a shot for the title. So there's five clear guys right now who have a shot to fight for the title in 2021, and I think we're just going to have to wait and see how these guys get paired up, right? We're still waiting for the official announcement of McGregor Poirier, but the UFC may just say, you know, we'll just book that McGregor Poirier and have that be for the title. They could do a lot of different things. They could declare that a number one contender's bout. So they can do a number of things here to to shape who fights for the lightweight, lightweight title now that Khabib is gone. I would not be surprised if they make that McGregor Poirier match for the title because from the UFC standpoint they're struggling to get a weight class for this John Kavanaugh came out and said that he would like to see this bout at 170 now the UFC obviously pushed back against that because they're not in the business of booking these guys you know we've we've had this discussion before so I don't want to get too in depth but in terms of booking 155ers at 170 UFC doesn't like that 
So an easy way out of this for the UFC would be, well, fight for the belt. Now it can't be at 170. That would be an easy way for the UFC to solve this weight class issue. And then if McGregor wins, they have McGregor as a champion again, who is obviously, there's no shortage of fun fights for Conor McGregor. Okay. So with these things being said, I wouldn't be surprised if they just book that as a championship match. But like I said, there's so much to speculate about. I think we have to wait and see for more fight announcements in terms of, especially in terms of Tony and Michael Chandler. Because Tony said he wants to fight before 2020 is over. And Michael Chandler, I believe, said that as well yesterday. In the um, He did several interviews and he's looking to fight. So if these guys fight before 2020 ends, that could really shape, shape up where the UFC decides to go with the lightweight belt. But I can't imagine that they want it vacant for long. So I think they're going to do their best to push out a new champion as soon as possible because vacant spots, obviously are bad for the company, right? Not much breaking news there, but we're going to have to sit around and look out for fight announcements, news from UFC, what Dana's saying. Obviously, um, there's so many different directions that they could go with this. And Dark Horse Charles Oliveira here. If Charles Oliveira could get one of those um, five guys I mentioned, more specifically the top four, because Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira, if those two fought, they might not be able to push that for a title. But if Charles Oliveira can get Tony or Gaethje, he could also make a run at that belt. So it's open contender season in the lightweight division. And I think that's just going to make for several fun fights for the fans at this point. Now, we've got in the co-main, we had Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier, And Robert Whitaker looked amazing in this fight. He dominated, I shouldn't say dominated, but he was the clear winner of the first two rounds. Most people gave him the third. The judges did not. It was 29-28 on all the judges' scorecards for Whitaker. But um, a lot of fans had it 30-27. I think that was the majority of the verdict on Verdict MMA. So at this point, Robert Whitaker has done all he can do to get a rematch against Izzy for that title. So um, for Whitaker here, I don't know if Izzy wants that fight again, but um, if Izzy fights in the middleweight division again, if that's his next fight is for the middleweight belt, which is so if he stays in middleweight for his next fight, it's going to be against Robert Whitaker. That's pretty much been, that's of that's all but official, right? So now that leaves with two other options for Izzy, which is Jan Blachowicz and John Jones. Now, we need to see what the plan for Izzy and Jan is. I think a lot of that is going to come down to what happens with Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira because they are fighting. So if Tiago Santos or Glover Teixeira do something to um, really cement themselves as the challenger at, yeah, they're fighting Saturday, November 7th. So if... Tiago Santos or Glover can, Teixeira can go out there and put on a good performance. I think that Jan would take that fight next. Um, I think Glover versus Tiago Santos, more specifically, is a great fight that I would personally love to see. So I think if um, Glover or Tiago can go out there and prove they deserve the title shot next, I believe that that takes the Jan and Izzy fight out. Because I think at this point, the UFC would want to build Jan a little bit more as a champion before they go 
and do this champ champ for Izzy because right now Jan has zero title defenses and is looking like one of the weaker champions. No disrespect to Jan, but in the pound for pound, Jan is Jan is not ranked ranked in the pound for pound as of right now. So a lot of people view him as a weaker champion, right? You have guys like in the pound for pound, you have guys like Robert Whitaker, who is at this Tony Ferguson, Figueredo, Francis, and you don't see Jan's name in the male pound for pound rankings. So I think if you could get Jan a win, two wins, three more wins before you get Izzy versus Jan, I think then that would make that fight way more um, wanted and way more um, draw behind that fight. So right now, it's so with that being said, I think the UFC is either going to go Whitaker or John Jones. Now, if they want to book this John Jones fight, they have to do it now, and there's no doubt about that. Because if John goes up to heavyweight and it gets, he's trying to add weight at the moment. So if John goes up to heavyweight, he's not going to be able to come back down to heavyweight realistically. And they would never let Izzy fight at heavyweight based off his weight. The commission would never sanction that bout. So if we want this John versus Izzy bout, we have to do it now. So right now for Izzy, we're looking at the winner between, or we're looking at Whitaker, John Jones. However this goes, um, I think right now I'd probably have to give it to Whitaker um, unless the UFC tries to make a big fight. Because as of right now, in terms of the the UFC's biggest fight to make, Two days ago was Khabib versus GSP. Now that that fight is obviously off the table, we're looking at the UFC maybe trying to make another super fight here, and that would be Izzy versus John probably would be next in terms of the biggest fight. There's several other big fights, but I think that would be the biggest fight as of right now, especially if we get Stipe and Francis. I can't imagine that John wants to wait for... um, wait that long because as we're waiting for Stipe and Ngannou to get booked, that means we're also waiting waiting for John, right? So I think John would try and break his inactivity by fighting Izzy, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if we get the Izzy-John fight, but at this point, I think it's a Whitaker lean. And I think um, taking, I think both, I think both options um, I don't think we have a. I think we have a win-win here for Izzy. If he takes on Whitaker, remember that this Whitaker Izzy fight had the largest gate in UFC history. So this is a big fight. Robert Whitaker looked good. I think you convince people could convince people that Robert Whitaker could beat Izzy based off his improvements. He did take down Cannoneer. He took down Till. So if you can convince someone that you have Robert Whitaker, who's possibly the next best, best striker. Or he's a top three striker in this division behind Izzy. Maybe one other guy. You know, Till obviously is another great striker, but Till did just lose to Whitaker. So you could make the case that Robert Whitaker is the next best striker in this division. So, and then pair that with his wrestling ability. I think you could really sell the fact that Whitaker could beat Izzy. So, um, and then as we get that fight... That would give more time to guys like Darren Till and Jack Hermanson to work back up to earn a title shot, right? Because after Whitaker is looking foggy for who Izzy would fight, hence take out Whitaker, and then you'd be looking at another fight against John or Jan. 
So um, I think Izzy's in a great spot. And either way, I think we have only positive outcomes for Izzy, right? No negatives. He has put himself in a great position. And for Cannoneer, what's next for Jared Cannoneer? Cannoneer is probably going to take some time off. He did break his ulna, he stated, based off of one of Robert Whitaker's kicks. So um, Cannoneer is probably going to take some time off, um, probably six to eight weeks to heal that ulna. And after that, um, you know, a training camp. So we're looking at uh, several months for Cannoneer. But um, he's got good options here for what's next. You still got Paulo Costa there, Yoel Romero, so um, Kevin Gastelum, Derek Brunson. So um, Kenanier is still in a good spot. He's not too far out of the title picture. If he can come back and beat someone like Paulo or Yoel, he would still be in the mix for a um, to get back to that championship um, contention. And then we had Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. This was a fun fight. I picked Walt Harris last week. Um, if you watched that, Walt Harris did lose, but Volkov looked great. Volkov did a great job of not allowing Walt Harris to get on the inside. He kicked to the body repeatedly of Walt Harris and eventually landed a really nice front kick right to the, um, right to the um, solar plex of Walt Harris, which ended the fight. And um, that was great for Volkov. Volkov is obviously such an interesting guy to watch based off his height and how he uses his kicks. So interesting here in the heavyweight division. And right now, obviously, the heavyweight division is a little stagnant. We're waiting for Stipe versus Nganu. And who knows when that fight is going to be booked, obviously, because you have um, you have the November, December, and... Well, we have November and December's pay-per-views done for sure. Those are official. And then January, we're looking at Connor versus Poirier. That is not official yet. So, but after that, you still have um, Francis and Stipe. And you have Eljamain and Piotr Jan. So, we have several title fights coming on here. So, for I don't see Stipe and... Francis fighting until January at the absolute earliest, and that's being very generous, but more likely February or March. So that gives Volkov time to work up in the rankings, and I know there's a lot of contenders running around in this division. You've got Volkov, Dos Santos, Overeem, Derek Lewis, Jorginho Rosenstrike. Heavyweight's in a great spot. I think you can match Volkov up with a lot of those guys. Um, I personally like the, he called out Jarzinho and I like that fight. I think that's an interesting fight. Just kickboxing alone. That'd be an amazing fight, but, um, I'm not going to complain if you match Volkov up with anyone in the top six, right? Um, Overeem's running around in there too. That'd be another fun fight. I think Overeem, um, has shown that he would probably take that to the ground, but that's besides the point. Derek Lewis is a fun fight for Volkov because Volkov was beating him the first go-around until Lewis landed that big shot to end it. So that'd be a fun rematch. Um, yeah, anyone, three down, three to six. All those guys make sense for Alexander Volkov. Um, and I think any of those matches, you're not going to hear any complaints. 
So one and two were Ngannou and Blades. I don't think he's going to get either of those fights. Ngannou is obviously going to fight for the title, and Blades just beat him. So three through six all make sense for um, Alexander Volkov, and I imagine we're going to get one of those fights booked here soon. For Walt Harris, um, Walt's on a two-fight skid right now, but Walt Harris, I still believe that he is a very talented guy who has a lot of potential in this heavyweight division. And I don't want to see him move too far down in the rankings. Um, I'd like to see him anyone inside the top 15. He's probably going somewhere below him because he did just fight Volkov and lost. But um, anyone from that 11 to 15 range, I'd like to see him fight. I don't want to see him fight someone outside the rankings. Um, so let's keep him against a ranked guy or someone who is borderline ranked. Um, like tied to Ivasa or someone like that, who is a borderline on the rankings. And then moving down the card, we had Lauren Murphy, who looked um, very good in her performance against Lilia Shakirova. And um, Lauren Murphy did call for a title shot, and she did cut herself a good promo, but I don't believe she's going to be getting that title shot next against Valentina. I think Andrade has really shown that she deserves that, especially after she came in and beat Chikagan how she did. So I think that title shot is going to go to Andrade after Valentina defends here coming up. Um, she's facing Jennifer Maya. So I don't think that Andrade is going to get that, or I think that Andrade is going to get that fight. I don't think Lauren Murphy is going to be able to get that. But with that being said, um, she's very close, right? Chikagan obviously just lost to Valentina. Jennifer Maya is getting that fight right now. And then you have Cynthia Calveo. So if they, they could try and rebook that match. But Laura Murphy's put herself in a great position to make a run at the title. And I think she will get a title fight eventually. I just don't think it's going to be next. I think that's going to be Andrade. Unless Valentina comes out beats Maya, and then calls out Lauren Murphy, and then she would get that fight. But I don't see that happening. Um, right now, I would say Andrade is the number one contender, followed by Lauren Murphy. But with that being said, I don't think I think Lauren Murphy could fight for the title in 2021. Um, Valentina is very active, so I think she could be fighting for the title by summer of 2021, maybe a little bit later than that. Maybe we're in the fall. But within the next calendar year, I think Lauren Murphy gets a title shot, and I think she definitely gets a title shot if she can go out and get one more win, regardless of who that win is against. But right now, she could probably wait. She could probably wait and get a title shot, or she could go and get another win to really cement herself as the number one contender. We also had Magomed Ankalev, who did, um, who knocked out Ian Kutelaba in a knockout of the night performance, and he looked great. I'm glad that this Ankalev and Ian Kutalaba um, rivalry is over because Ankalev looked great, and I'm excited to see him face against some stiffer competition. I think there's a lot of fun fights with some of these guys in the heavyweight division. I would like to see um, Ankalev matched up against Johnny Walker. I think that would be an amazing fight just based off style and... Um, ability alone so 
But with that being said, you could move him up higher in the rankings. I saw DC call for a fight against Rochik or Yuri Prokoska. I don't think either of those fights are going to happen. But, um, alright. So, I don't think either of those fights are going to happen. But, um, I think he could work him way, work his way up to that. I think the next fight's going to be someone of Johnny Walker's caliber or uh, Krolov. And then we can get up to that top five range. All right. We are going to take a break and we will be right back. All right. So we're back. Sorry for that quick interruption. So moving on on the event, we had, we were talking about Megbet Ankalev. So now we're going to move on to Ty Tuivasa versus Stefan Struve. Tuivasa had a nice finish there. Um, I'm excited to see. What he can do in the future here, he was ranked inside the top 15, went on a went on a quick skid, but that win got him back in the win column. So I think he's going to be right back in the mix here at heavyweight. He looked very good, and um, he's probably going to move right back inside the top 15, if not close to it, and he probably will be fighting a ranked opponent next. So, And then we had Casey Kennedy versus Nathaniel Wood. Casey Kennedy versus Nathaniel Wood was a incredible fight. Was an incredible fight. Casey Kenny, Kenny, Jesus, Casey, um, Casey was able to get the win. Um, both fighters looked very good. Nathaniel Wood's a bright prospect. So is Casey. Um, and I think. Both of these guys are going to be moving up in that division. That just shows the depth of the 135 division to put on a fight like that in the prelims. One of the first fights of the night to put on a performance like that just shows the depth in that division alone. And moving on, we're going to talk about a little bit about things that happened outside of UFC 254. It was announced that Leon Edwards will be fighting Hazmat Chimaev in December for the last card of the year. Now, I'm surprised that we were able to get this fight. We've been covering the Hazmat Chimaev, who will Hazmat be fighting. We have been covering that almost weekly here. So what the UFC did is they removed Leon Edwards from the rankings, right? So they removed Leon Edwards, and then almost immediately after he was removed from the rankings, they were able to book him against Hazmat Chimaev, which for Leon Edwards, he played this terribly wrong. He didn't want to fight. Wonder Boy, because Wonder Boy was not someone ranked ahead of him. He wanted Masvidal or a title shot, mostly. So Leon tries to die on the sword that he's going to be fighting for a title or Masvidal. He declines the Wonder Boy fight, and then the UFC pulls him from the rankings. And to get back in the rankings, he accepts the fight against Hazmat Chimaev. Now he played this he couldn't have played this worse he's fighting Hazmat Chimaev when he could have been fighting Wonderboy Thompson now for Wonderboy is really the loser in all of this because he is left opponentless and I don't with Wonderboy you have Covington Masvidal are going to match up now you have Leon versus Hazmat Chimaev and you obviously have Usman versus Burns for the title now, where did we put Stephen Thompson in all this? We still have Damian Maya, Tyron Woodley, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny. He's probably going to get one of these names. Um, 
I don't know what the plan is with Damian Maya because he is planning on retiring. He's planning on this being his last fight. I He wanted this fight to be in Brazil against a Brazilian. So, with that being said, I don't know when the next time the UFC is going to Brazil. I don't know if Damian Maia is going to wait and to fight in Brazil for his last fight or if he's going to, you know, just say, it's time to be done. Let me get my one more and walk away. So, we can't really predict on when Maia is going to fight again. I think Tyron Woodley is going to take a lot of time off. Michael Chiesa has been relatively inactive. He hasn't fought since he last fought RDA this year. So, um, I think it's time we could get Chiesa versus Thompson. Um, maybe Magny versus Thompson. Um, but for Wonderboy, he's really the loser in all this when he could have been fighting Leon. If he beats Leon, then he's deep in this title picture. But now he's taking a step back to this, I don't want to say second tier because they're not second tier. But I think there's a clear gap after Steven Thompson in who you get. You move down to Maya, Woodley, Chiesa, Neil Magny. Obviously, those guys are still all great fighters, but they're not of the caliber of Usman, Covington, Burns, Leon, Masvidal, and Wood and um, Wonderboy. So, Wonderboy is probably going to either have to wait or move down in the rankings. And I think both of those. So Leon's or uh, Wonderboy is really the loser in this Leon versus Hazmat business. Um, with that being said, Hazmat is the winner. He's fighting the third-ranked fighter in the welterweight division. We were looking down to Neil Magny or Chris, Chris Weidman and who's going to be next. They were both ranked ninth in their division. Instead, he's fighting Leon Edwards, who's ranked third. So for Hazmat Chimaev, if he wins this fight, I'm interested to see what the UFC is going to do. If he can win this fight, he's deep in this title pitcher. Then we could maybe, I don't know where they would necessarily go because Hazmat obviously likes being active. Um, we discussed earlier the um, how pay-per-views are filling up and we still don't have Usman and Burns lined up on a pay-per-view yet. We still need to get that date. So we're, after that, they could he could maybe take a fight at 185, right? So Hazmat is getting himself deep in this title pitcher. And for Hazmat, this is a win for Hazmat as, Hazmat as long as he can go out and perform well. He doesn't even have to win to be a the, you know, he could go out and lose. As long as he looks good in this fight, he's deep in both these welterweight, or he's deep in these um, welterweight and middleweight divisions. And if he wins, that just makes him, puts him even deeper in that title picture. So in both situations, Hazmat has done a great job in getting himself, making himself interesting and being dominant to get him big time fights, right? Now, we're talking about ascending as a UFC fighter he has ascended probably faster than anyone joining the UFC ever has so you have Hazmat on one hand and the next biggest rise is probably Conor McGregor but if you look at Conor Conor came in as a as a champion from another organization um Hazmat did not do that and Hazmat may be rising faster than even Conor did from going from an unranked fighter ranking, fighting the third ranked fighter, Connor never did that. He um, had a couple of fights against um, Dennis Seaver and other guys who were ranked in that mid range of the division. So we're going to have to see whether he is going to be ascended to a title shot like Connor. But at this point, he is filling a market for. Um, he's filling a market for the UFC that um, 
is largely being walked away from as Khabib is leaving. He's filling in that demographic that Khabib really um, had fans from. So a lot of these Khabib fans are more than likely Hazmat Chimaya fans. And obviously Khabib is one of the biggest stars in the sport. Um, so we're talking these Muslim fighters with the same style. And I think that will largely push um, Hazmat into stardom as it did with McGregor in terms of having an international fan base that strongly supports him, as that happened with Habib, as that happened with Izzy, as that's happening with Jan, getting a strong international following and being pushed to a title shot, right? So I think Hazmat has set himself up so far in his career for to be around for a long time, be very dominant with big stardom. So I'm very glad to see how he has navigated his career. And I think for other fighters, they should look at what Hazmat is doing and not try to try to copy because copying, as we've seen, never works in this business. But see what he has done and learn from that as to how you can be pushed in these rankings faster, right? So in another big fight that was announced was Rob Font versus Marlon Morais. Now, I was very surprised when this fight was made. Um, Rob Font is 11th, and Rob Font's obviously a great fighter, but I'm surprised that Morais was willing to move down. Right now, a lot of people are citing rankings. We obviously just got done talking about welterweight, and the welterweights talk about rankings more than anyone in the, uh, in the business, right? So now we have Marlon Morais, on the other hand, who is ranked third, and he is willing to fight Rob Font, who is 11th. Rob Font obviously is still a great fighter, but I was surprised that Morais was willing to move down this far in the rankings to take the fight. Um, with that being said, and I was surprised how fast Morais is turning around, um, I think it's clear that Morais wants to get back in that title picture just based off how active he's been. A lot of guys get knocked out like he was knocked out, take some time off, but not Morais. He's turning around and getting right back in there. With that being said, I'm surprised he moved so far down in the rankings, down to Rob Font. I'm surprised we're not seeing a um, Munoz, Rivera, Asuncao, maybe Dominic Cruz. I don't know how active Dominic Cruz plans to be, but especially Asuncao. Um, Asuncao would have been the name that I was looking at personally. So I'm surprised that he moved all the way down to 11. So that just shows to me that Marais's intentions right now are focusing more on getting active and getting wins than fighting someone ranked two spots higher, which is refreshing to see based just off how much we've had fighters talking about rankings. Chael Sonnen even done this the rankings era. So it's nice to see someone move down and take a fight for when they want to fight and fight against, you know, just anyone really, because you can tell that he was not picky with who he was going to be fighting next. So... Moving on, we're going to talk about the Fight Night card coming this Saturday on Halloween. UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva. This is back at the Apex. The main event is Uriah Hall versus Anderson Silva. And I don't know how to approach this fight. I think it's going to be very interesting. You, we don't know what Anderson Silva we're going to get. Obviously, Anderson in his last couple fights has not looked great. If we pull up, I'll pull up his sure dog. But, you know, he has taken, he has not been great since his losses to Weidman. So, 
I'm surprised that they were the UFC was willing to book this fight, but I'm glad to see that Anderson is retiring. He's 45, so he's got losses. Lost to Cannoneer in 2019, Izzy in 2019, beat Brunson in 2017, lost to Cormier and Bisbig in 2016. No contest to Nick Diaz, which he did win that fight, I believe, but that was turned to a no contest. So he's got one win since his first loss to Chris Weidman, one of which being a no contest and one of which um, being a win against Derek Brunson. Right, but obviously Anderson Silva is still a all-time great, but right now I don't think he's going to be able to beat Uriah Hall. Um, I think for Anderson to come back, this is the right fight to make in terms of who he's coming back against, someone who's stylistically similar to him, which would give him an advantage. Um, but I don't think that he's going to be able to get the nod on Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall's been active. He's looked good in his last couple fights. So with that being said, I'm going to have to take Uriah Hall on this one. Um, Really not too much to think about. Basically just age and Anderson's recent performances. I got to go Uriah on this one. In the co-main, we have Andre Feely versus Bryce Mitchell. I'm excited about this fight. I'm a big Bryce Mitchell fan. I think a lot of people are. Bryce Mitchell is another guy to look at. For, for fighters coming up and to um and how to to look at and see how they have gained fans. Russ Mitchell is a great guy to look at in terms of his personality and he's just being himself and getting fans doing it. Now, with that being said, for the fight, I am going to take Bryce Mitchell in this one. Um, he is an incredible grappler and I think that's where most of this fight is going to take place I think most of this fight takes place on the ground and I think Mitchell dominates on the ground he chases submissions ground and pounds I think he wins this probably by decision unless he can land a submission but um I'll take this fight by decision for Bryce Mitchell moving down the card we have Kevin Holland fighting Muradov now I think Kevin Holland is I'm going to lean towards Kevin Holland in this one. Um, don't have a lot of knowledge against about um, Muradov, but I do know Kevin Holland, and Kevin Holland is a dog. And um, I'm going to lean towards Kevin Holland on this one. In Moving down, we have Maurice Green versus Greg Hardy. Um, I'm excited to see Greg Hardy back in. I feel like each time we see Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy is making improvements in his game. And with that being said, as he continues to improve, I'm gonna. Th- I think we see more improvement in this fight, and I think he gets the jump on Maurice Green, and I think he's back in that ranking rankings pitcher. And we have Bobby Green versus Thiago Moises. I think this is gonna be a close fight, but I'm gonna lean towards Bobby Green based off the experience in this one. Okay, that is the main card for Hall versus Silva this Saturday. And on the prelims, we do have a couple of fun fights with Alexander Hernandez is on the prelims. So it'll be exciting to see if he can get back. He was obviously a bright young prospect that hasn't quite panned out, but it'll be exciting to see if he can turn that around. Other good prospects on the card. Uh, we have Miles Johns. So there's a couple good prospects. This is going to be a fun card to watch, and I am excited for it. This card is... It's a little bit earlier. Halloween 
7 p.m. start on the main card, 4 p.m. start on the prelims. So this one should be done relatively early in comparison to a lot of fight cards. Probably has something to do with it being Halloween. UFC is probably trying to get this one done a little bit earlier. All right. So that is all I have for today. Thank you very much for watching the Head Kick KO podcast. Go follow our other social medias, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We have the full podcast on several streaming services, most notable Spotify, YouTube. So go follow the other socials, and we will be back next week for a breakdown of a UFC fight night. Silva versus Hall, and we will break down any other news that happened during the week then as well. All right, thank you, and I'm out.